Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Thursday. We're coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson, the host of the program. Joining me on the show today, I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, and we've got a lot of fun things that we want to get into during today's edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Coming up, we'll have birthdays in sports. We'll chat with Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network at 4.15 today. Want to let you know about our Sports Call Player of the Week. Chris Gordy is the host of Locked on SEC. He joins the show at 5.15, and then we'll have a nightly TV guide at the very end of the program here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Once again, I'm J.J. Jackson alongside Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. Brant, how are you today? Man, I'm fantastic. I'm really happy to be here, really glad to be a part of the show today. Uh, Looking forward to talking to to Brad Law and Chris Gordy. I, I love having both of those guys on the show whenever we can. Uh, looking forward to talking about uh, Georgia a little bit. We, we've got a lot going on there, uh, a lot to talk about for sure, and uh, looking forward to this weekend as well. Haven't been on since the Braves clinched uh, their fifth straight National League East Division title. Uh, very excited about that. Really thought it wasn't going to happen this year, and yet it did. So uh, very, very, very excited, honestly. I, just happy to be here. There's a lot going on, and I uh, can't wait to get the show underway. Brooks, what about you? How are you today? I am fantastic. I uh, can't wait to talk to all of our callers today, as usual. I can't wait to dive into the latest news and headlines from around all of sports and <laughs> that we uh, always frequently talk about. Um, I watched some good college football. I say good college football last night. It was a it was a blowout, but got to watch uh, Gus Bus and the uh, the UCF Knights take down his former student Rhett Lashley his first year at SMU that was a fun football game to watch uh, watch Gus Malzahn uh, offense continue to work technically on both sides of the, of the uh, field with Gus Malzahn's offense um, so that was fun um, and then I'll tell you what you know what else I watched last night I watched some preseason hockey last night and so that was that's fun getting almost cl- in time for hockey season back October 11th I think is opening night uh, for the National hockey league so watched a little bit of that last night so that was always fun and uh then uh, you know shout out to the uh auburn volleyball team who was undefeated until last night played a really good game last night at lsu took it to five sets and the the lsu tigers got the best of the auburn tigers on uh on the sec network last night but they're still you know 11 and 1 on the year really really good start to the season good start to the conference season they've got a big one coming up this weekend they got two big ones coming up this weekend hosting georgia uh at neville arena so can't wait to see the the ladies back on the court don't shortchange them 14 and 1 14 on the and season 1 sorry for this uh, auburn volleyball team and uh, 
And uh, unfortunately, last night, as you said, Brooks, they did lose. They actually blew the lead. Auburn had a 15-7 to lead in the fourth set, leading two sets to one. And that's just one that they want to have back any way possible, getting a chance to chat with Coach Crouch and uh, being on the call for the SEC Network Plus coming up this weekend for those two matches against Georgia. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in the wide world of sports, even here on campus with the Auburn Tigers. Not just football talk, but we know that everybody wants to talk about football. So we're going to do that on today's show. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 If you would like to call in and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, again, JJ alongside Brooks and Brant. So, fellas, one day closer to the Deep South's oldest rivalry, the newest installment, as uh, Auburn getting set to travel to Athens to take on the Bulldogs. Auburn has not won, Brant, in Athens since 2005. It's been quite some time. Yeah, very familiar, unfortunately. And I said it on Monday's show, I'm not super optimistic about that changing uh, this year. Georgia's very good. They are very, very good. Yes, they won the national championship last year and lost a lot of those starter, starting pieces, including, I think, nine guys drafted off of that defense into the NFL. But look, they're, they're still really good. They're not quite as good numbers-wise as they were last year, but they're not lacking for talent. They're going to have a couple more first-rounders uh, in this upcoming draft and the next one too probably so the, the fact is that Georgia is just loaded and for Auburn to go in there and, and be competitive in this game it's going to take a lot and, and I, I don't know it's going to take Robbie Ashford playing like he did against uh, against LSU uh, and it's going to take that when he's playing against a much better team Georgia is significantly better than LSU is right now so the the whole thing is you know it, it's one of those things I wrote about it earlier if Auburn can somehow go in there and win this game, it could change the course of the program for years to come. But I, I just don't see that happening. I really don't. Georgia's just Georgia's just a better football team. Top to bottom, they are a better football team than Auburn is. They're a good football team, that's for sure. Uh, a, a very impressive uh, football team. Reigning national champs, as you said, loaded on both offense and defense. And Brooks, it's going to be a really, really tall task for Auburn to find a way to get a victory on Saturday. Yeah, even though Georgia's been playing, you know, not like we've been accustomed to seeing them play the last few years, uh, I, I think it was Brandon Marcello we interviewed earlier this week that said it, it feels like they may be a little bored with their competition. Yeah. And so that's why they're kind of they're playing down a little bit. So, you know, I, I tell you what, it, if, if that's the case and they have been bored, Kirby Smart's not going to have them bored for this week against Auburn because, you know, Kirby Smart – uh, is, is you know he's a Georgia alum. He knows the the meaning of this rivalry game, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. He's going to have them up and ready to go. So Auburn's got to be up and ready to go as well. Um, you know some strong words said yesterday in, in the player interviews for the week uh, leading up to it. Uh, I think it was Brandon Council had some strong words to yep. say. Asked about it, and I'm sure that's not going to uh, that's that's not going to sit well with a lot of uh, Georgia football players if they hear that, or you know they they could just say all right, whatever. You know they. Everybody says that about us, um, but it, it's going to whatever happens. Uh, it, you know, it, it's it's another installment of a really really good rivalry game. Georgia's won five five the last five meetings between the two, um, so trying to keep keep it away from that six uh, is what Auburn's trying to do. But it, it is going to be a tall task. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it is certainly not probable coming up on Saturday afternoon at, in uh, in between the hedges. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, nothing is impossible, you know. I mean, that's why you play the game. You you gotta 
you got to strap it up and you got to go out there and, and play. And a lot of people I saw were freaking out about what Brandon Council said. And my thoughts on that are, if you think you're going to lose a game, then you're beaten before you step off the bus. You know, it doesn't matter if you're playing Georgia or Middle Georgia State. You know, if you're playing a nobody or if you're playing shout out a, to the alma mater. Shout yeah. out to my alma mater, uh, Middle yeah. Georgia State. Go Knights. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're playing the best team in the country or you know a team that doesn't have any business playing with you. If you believe that you have lost before the game ever starts, then you have. You, you've got to go in there with the mindset of, we can win this football game. We are good enough. Here's what we're going to do to win this football game. Will Auburn win the game? I doubt it, honestly. If I was putting money on it, I think Auburn's, what, a 30-point underdog right now? Yes. That's insane. But... You know, I, I wouldn't put money on Auburn to cover, honestly, because I think Kirby Smart has shown he does not like to call the dogs off against Auburn, uh, and I don't think he's going to uh, this Saturday. But, like you said, it's not impossible. Auburn could very well win this game, and if they do, you know, hold on, because something weird's about to happen. It's the Deep South's oldest rivalry Saturday, 2.30 p.m. kickoff. You can watch it on CBS. You can listen to it on FM Talk 93.9, the Tiger Tailgate Show. Our pregame show with the Auburn Sports Network goes on the air at 11.30 a.m. Trivia question. Do you guys know what the South's oldest rivalry is? Uh, Isn't it Virginia versus someone? You were correct. um, There's another school involved. Virginia and... I believe the oldest rivalry is Harvard and Yale, isn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. That's the oldest. I don't know what the South's is. It's not... Auburn and Georgia is dubbed the Deep South's oldest rivalry. What is the South's oldest rivalry? Is it Virginia? Virginia Tech is the Commonwealth Cup. Virginia... Is it Virginia, North Carolina? It is Virginia, North Carolina, known as the South's oldest rivalry. There's your college Virginia football the trivia. South? Yeah, that's... I honest. mean, that's is up Virginia for debate. the South? That's up for debate, for sure. I, I always thought it was the South, but I had people tell me recently, no, it is not. I would claim it. I, I think it's the South. I don't know. Being like, a it North Carolinian, I would claim it. Uh, but uh, yeah, the South's oldest rivalry, the Virginia Cavaliers, the North Carolina Tar Heels, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, what we care about, the Auburn Tigers and Georgia Bulldogs. We got to take our first time out of today's show here on Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. This is Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. We hope that you're having a remarkable, yes, remarkable Thursday so far. All right. Each and every day, we make it a priority to celebrate some birthdays, gentlemen, so let's do that right now. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Indeed it is. Birthdays in Sports here today, October 6th, 2022. Birthdays in Sports is brought to you by Max Credit Union. Allow Max Credit Union to help you with all of your banking needs. Two convenient locations in Lee County, one in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road. Here we go. Happy birthday, Trevor Lawrence, 23 years old. 
The quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Lawrence led Cartersville High School to 41 consecutive victories and two state championships in Georgia, breaking several state and national records in the process. He was considered to be one of the best high school recruits ever and signed to play at Clemson. Pretty good high school player. Yeah, uh, came very close to playing against him in high school, actually. Uh, if we had won our last game no and kidding. made it wow. in the playoffs, we would have played uh, at Cartersville in the first round. Uh, going to Clemson, he started for the Tigers midway through his freshman season and over the next three years won three ACC championships, the College Football National Championship once when he was named MVP of the title game and a 2021 ACC Athlete of the Year. In 2021, Trevor Lawrence was taken first overall by the Jaguars and has started for them since. Trevor Lawrence, 23 years old. He's having a good year so far uh, Jacksonville. Looked, looked really bad last year, has looked really good this year, which means it's time for my favorite part of the show, slandering Urban Meyer. <laughs> uh, Kyle Pitts is turning 22 today, tied in for the Atlanta Falcons. Pitts grew up in Pennsylvania and was a four-star recruit. He committed to play at Florida and became a starter his sophomore year. He was named All-SEC as a junior before gaining national attention his junior year when he was named a unanimous All-American and won the John Mackey Award as the best tight end in college football. Taken fourth overall in the 2021 NFL Draft by the Atlanta Falcons, making him the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. He had over 1,000 yards as a rookie, becoming just the second tight end to surpass the mark as a rookie and was selected to his first Pro Bowl. Kyle Pitts... 22 years old. Very good. Very young. I hope he's in Atlanta for a very, very long time. Uh, And maybe if we get a quarterback we trust, he can catch some more passes. Braxton Berrios is 27 years old. Wide receiver and returner for the New York Jets. Berrios was a four-star recruit out of the state of North Carolina and played college football at Miami. Go Canes! He played four years with the Hurricanes and was a Nate third-team All-ACC as a senior, taken in the sixth round of the 2018 NFL Draft by the Patriots and won a Super Bowl in his rookie season. He signed with the Jets the next season and was named to the All-Pro team in 2021 as a kick returner. Braxton Berrios... 27 years old. You want another fun, random fun fact about uh, Braxton Berrios? Always. A brother-in-law of former Auburn quarterback Jarrett Stidham. Wow. Is he really? Pretty good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Braxton Berrios and Jarrett Stidham married sisters. Isn't that fun? That's how that works. Uh, Herb Jones is 24 years old. Forward for the New Orleans Pelicans, a 4A Player of the Year for the state of Alabama as a senior leading Hale County to the 2018 AHSAA State Championship. He played college basketball at Alabama, Eh. where he was taken and he was named the SEC Player of the Year in 2021. He entered the 2021 NBA Draft and was taken 35th overall by the Pelicans, where he became a starter midway through his rookie season. Herb Jones, 24 years old today. Glad he's not at Alabama anymore. He's, <laughs> he's a good player. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga is turning 20 years old. That's a forward for the Golden State Warriors. Kaminga Auburn University was born legend, Jonathan in Kaminga. the Dominican Repu- uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo and played basketball there before moving to America for high school. After four years, he was considered one of the best high school recruits in the country. He opted to play for the G League Ignite instead of college and was taken seventh overall by the Warriors in 2021. Being a reigning world champion, that means that Jonathan Kaminga is a one-time NBA champion. 
Jonathan Kaminga is turning 20 years old today. Could have had him and Jalen Green on the basketball court at the same time that would have been at epic. Auburn. Would have been very, very cool, but unfortunately... NIL lagged behind the G League a yeah, little bit. There you go. Uh, it's our birthdays in sports here today on October 6th. We've I got Trevor right. Lawrence turning 23, Kyle Pitts is 22, Braxton Berrios 27, Herb Jones 24, and Jonathan Kaminga is 20 years old today. Birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. All right, here we go. We've got uh, Auburn football coming up on Saturday against Georgia. We'll see Robbie Ashford once again get another start at quarterback. And I think a lot of people were impressed by what they saw, for the most part, against LSU. I certainly was. Uh, I did not expect him to come out and have as good a game as he did. I think we're watching Robbie Ashford grow up a little bit. What we saw from him in that LSU game, we have not seen from him in the first couple of games. He's getting better as he goes along. And uh, look, I think part of that, is the fact that LSU has a lot of issues right now. We talked about this with Justin Ferguson on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, But LSU's defense is not great. But the fact that Robbie was able to go out there and do the darn thing was really impressive to me. And I think he played pretty well. I don't expect him to play as well against Georgia, mostly because Georgia's defense does not have the issues that LSU does. But uh, I think what we've seen from Robbie Ashford is in the future – his ceiling is way, way higher than a lot of people thought, than I thought. I'll admit to being wrong on that one. But uh, let's. I, I also need to remind myself, hey, that was one game against a defense that's struggling. If Robbie can put it together, then he's got a lot of promise. But I, I need to see it from him a few more times before I really buy in. But I, I, I like what I've seen from Robbie. I, I do think he's growing up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you look at his performance uh, from Saturday night against LSU. As you said, it's a struggling LSU defense. It's not the same aggressive LSU defense we've seen in the last few years, um, or you know, in their history. But you know, there's still there's still things that need to be ironed out. There still needs to be things need to be sharpened up. He needed he needs to take care of the football a little bit better than than what he's yes, been doing this absolutely. year. Absolutely. Um, he needs to, you know, make sure he sees the entire field. I think that was, oh, that was a little problem um, at the beginning of the season when he, you know, threw several interceptions as he wasn't seeing the entire field, wasn't seeing some of the defenders that were sitting there that, you know, he, he just didn't see them. And so I, I think you're seeing his development a little bit as he gets more playing time. And you got to remember, he's a freshman. You know, he, he's he's coming in here. This is his first game action is is this season in college. And so he's still he's still growing. He's still developing as a quarterback. Um that's one of the unfortunate things. If if it turn, you know, if it goes keeps going down the road, we think it's going down. That Harson and the staff is no longer here. Is that a, a kid that is developing, uh, and you know, you could you can see the development on the field is going to immediately have a, his third coach in as many years because yeah. he was at Oregon and then left Oregon, and that staff was left Oregon. He wouldn't even have the same staff at Oregon if he'd been there. Moved to Auburn. Year here with the Harson staff, and then if it keeps going that way, he'll have another staff next year um, at Auburn. And so that that's one of the unfortunate things is you, you don't get get that continuity with one staff. But you know, I, I think that he's got enough talent, and he's got enough raw talent that whoever whoever it is, if it's Harson's staff next year or if it's someone else's staff, they can continue that growth and everything, and he can continue to grow as a quarterback. I don't know what his what the ceiling is for Robbie Ashford right now, but it is you can clearly see he is he has progressed a, a ways since he first stepped on the field in that uh, that Mercer game to this point, and he's only going to keep going, but. You look at this weekend, you've got a really, really good defense you're going up against in Georgia. So if you see, you know, Robbie Ashford struggle this weekend, 
I don't think it's indicative of you know him taking a step back. It is more of hey. George is going to do that to everybody. This is a national championship defense. You look, you know, I know everybody was coming out of the woodwork to say, oh, look at Bo Nix in that first game. Well, look at the Bo Nix Oregon offense after that Georgia game. Like, it's They're putting up about 40 points a game. He's averaging four to five touchdowns a game running slash throwing. Like, combined four to five touchdowns a game. And... That Georgia defense smothered them. They they didn't score a touchdown, I don't think, no. in, the, in that game. Scored a field goal towards so the end. So you're going up against this Georgia defense this weekend. So if you see, if you're, you know, Robbie Ashford struggles, it's not him taking a step back. It's a national championship caliber defense has stepped on the field against him, and that's what it's going to look like. For the Sauburn football team, Robbie Ashford will be the starting quarterback. The player snapping the football to him is center Brandon Council. We mentioned this a little bit earlier in the program and yesterday on the show as well. But Brandon Council met with the media yesterday, had a pretty, you know, eye raise. What am I looking for here? Eyebrow raising. Eyebrow raising. Quote, here is what Brandon Council said. I believe just them being able to like their third down packages and you know they got some interior stunts that kind of hinders the run game but if we, we're going to start off fast you start off fast and run the ball on them and keep them out of their third down packages really we can demolish them I believe personally up front all right there you go we could demolish them yeah. personally up front and uh not too many people thrilled with with that going out there well to all those people i say what's the worst that can happen <laughs> the, georgia beats the hell out of you right which they're probably were going to do anyway right. this is a rivalry game right you don't need bulletin board material to get up for it auburn and alabama or auburn and alabama auburn and georgia have played each other a hundred and something times like there's so much history here and everybody playing in this game knows it you don't need bulletin board material to get up for it so what i have said what brandon council said probably not but again if you think if you go into a game thinking that you don't have a chance and you just go out there to play it you're gonna lose you're gonna lose i would rather him be confident and, and feeling good and then go out there and be like huh i was wrong than to say then for him to step up to that podium and go, yeah, man, we're going to get it handed to us. We don't have a freaking chance. So, I, you know, Brandon Council, I think he played really well against LSU. I do. And I think the I think the three interior linemen against LSU played really well. I think Tate Johnson was just not ready. Uh, I think Brandon Council is a better blocker, and it helps that he's about 30 pounds heavier. But I think there's more to it than that. I think uh, Brandon Council is a played better at center than he did at guard over these past couple of games. So I think going forward that you know LSU's defensive line is not great, but it's good. It's very good on the edges. Uh, B.J. Ojolari, everyone knows his name, but. Their interior defensive line is pretty good, too. And the the three guys who got the start, the two guards in the center, played pretty well. Um, who was It was Alec Jackson getting his first start of the season at right guard. I thought he played okay. Keandre Jones came in for a drive or two at that spot when Jackson, I, th- I guess he got hurt, uh, and he played pretty well as well. And they moved um, – who was playing left guard in that game? I cannot remember. Who was it? Who was it? I'm searching. I don't know. But uh, it, it, anyway – I thought I thought the three interior linemen played well against LSU, and they're going to have to play that well against Georgia, if not better, for Auburn to have a chance. 
Let's see what happens when Auburn gets set to take on Georgia here on Saturday. Let's take our next time out here on the program. When we come back, retired Ward Am Steve joins Sports Call here, Tiger 95.9 FM. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. We hope that you're doing well on this Thursday. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC. Let's go to the phone lines for the first time during today's program. And joining us here on Sports Call, we've got... Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is there. Hello, Steve. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, who all is on today? Brooks, Brant, and myself. Okay, Brooks, Brant, and you. The uh, unholy trio, I don't know. That's right. <laughs> all right. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, see if I, if I can be just, you know, make some sense and be succinct. Uh, and I do this in, in a brief, short period of time. If you haven't read this article yet, uh, if you're an Auburn uh, fan, uh, then I strongly urge you to read it. It's by Philip Marshall today, and he uh, it's entitled Auburn Football Slide Started with Stephen Leaf. Have you read it yet? Have not seen that. I have not checked that out yet. Okay, well, it's interesting read. Uh, he goes into details, apparently, from inside sources of uh, how uh, our slide, uh, the athletic department in Sicily uh, football, apparently uh, came out. And apparently, he mentioned something that struck me. I said, wow, I wouldn't wear this. Uh, and apparently, he says from inside sources, Stephen Leak apparently was a, apparently in an adversarial uh, freaking relationship with uh, Bruce Pearl and apparently was even considering letting him go. Do you guys know that? Did not know that, but you know, and it, it Bruce Pearl has a you know a lot of baggage with him in his in his history, especially you know after the the stuff that happened at Auburn with Chuck Person. That you could see where someone would have a little bit of a you know if you're trying to if, if you could have a little bit of a problem with him. But I, I you know everything has been you know everything was cleared, and uh, I don't know why he would want to get rid of a championship coach. Yeah, well, anyway, that's part of the information on there. But apparently, he was talked out of it. Uh, some board members, so thankfully for that. But anyway, it's a it's really an interesting read if you're an Auburn fan. All right, so uh, you may recall, guys, you may not, that I said a few days ago, and I think maybe Brent might be on there, and I said to him, you know, I can't recall seeing Auburn football program get so bad so quickly. And uh, I have uh, a bit of information that I think will support 
my uh, perspective on that. And this comes from Mr. Mark Murphy today, uh, Tiger football, basketball tidbits. In his one and a half years or 18 games of coaching uh, as our head coach in football, we have scored in the game first 13 times. Now, this is important. I want you to hold on to this thought, okay? Of those 13 times that we have scored, of those 18 games that he has coached, we scored first. We've only won six of those games. It's not good. No. And in fact, Gus Malzahn, when he scored first, his record was 49 and 13, was scoring first. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying it out loud here, and I say to Coach Harden, you know, you're just the worst version of Gus Malzahn. Brian Harson is nothing like Gus Malzahn, but. Now, Steve, when we talked about that the other day, I thought you were saying that this was the worst team you had ever seen, and I, that's where my... Uh, oh, no, 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 I've yeah. seen the worst team 2012. This team has gotten bad quicker than other teams I've ever known uh, in, in my lifetime of watching Harvard football. I mean, it's been a quick descent. Yeah, I think part of that is the transfer portal. You You lost a lot of... Guys who signed to play for Gus Malzahn, and then Gus Malzahn goes. And like I said, Brian Harson and Gus Malzahn are two very different guys. So a lot of the talent walks out the door, and you're left picking up the pieces. And, you know, Brian Harson has proven that he is just not a good enough X's and O's coach to overcome those deficiencies. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty telling, though, when, you, when I saw that out of 18 games that Harson's coached, in 13 of those 18 games, we scored first. And we've only won six of those 13 games after scoring first. So I don't want to score first. <laughs> uh, well, we're probably not against Georgia. Probably not. Okay, and uh, the Fearless Forecasters, if you haven't already read it, they're all picking uh, at least a 19 to 21 point uh, win by Georgia. You guys agree with that perspective? Yeah, I mean, that that's that's kind of what it feels like. I don't know if Georgia, the way they've played these last few weeks, they cover that 30-point spread that's out there right now. But I, I think that it you know it's a real possibility. Like I said earlier in the program, anything can happen in, in a rivalry game. Anything, you know, the, the, you've seen shocking things. It's, it's not a set thing that Auburn's going to lose, but it's not probable that they would win this game. Yeah, well, it's even more likely after I read these pieces of stats, and this comes from Mark Murphy. Uh, he says there are 23 key statistical categories that are significant factors in determining which team wins a game. And he then goes on to say that we have a ranking of those 23 uh, categories of 9.6. Now, 1.0 is the best. 14.0 is the worst. Well, we're number 13 in scoring offense, guys. 13. All right. We're 14th, last, in pass efficiency. We're 13 in pass completion percentage. We're 13 in third down conversions. We're 11 in first downs, but we are number one. We are number one, though, in one category of those 23 categories. Well, you want to guess which category that might be? Something Turnovers like committed. Punting. Very good, Mr. Yeah, yeah. You win free chicken dinner. <laughs> yeah. Dead putty. We're number one. Oscar Chapman has been really good. He's had a lot of opportunities to do it, but man, it's been awesome to watch him perform the way he has. Yeah. And uh, this one really alarmed me because I really thought our defense played really darn good uh, Saturday, but our red zone defense, guys, 
is 12. Yeah, red, if teams can get in the red zone on Auburn, they're usually getting pretty deep in there, and they're getting first and goal from about the five. You know, that, that's that's one of those things that the defense just hasn't has not been able to lock up. They they said at the beginning of the year we're going to be bend don't break. We're going to let guys move a little bit. We're going to give up some yardage, but we're not going to give up the big play, and we're not going to give up touchdowns. And so far, they've li- done a good job of limiting big plays, but they haven't been able to prevent touchdowns. Although we limited LSU to fourteen points, you know, on their offense side. Yeah. Yeah, they, the, def, the defense has played pretty well the last two weeks, but they've also been going up against offenses that are not exactly high caliber. Yeah. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, I saw where our uh, first loss came for the volleyball team to none other than who? Tell us who. Yeah. Yep. Three to one. Gee, my dear, what an ironic instance uh, that was. All right. Uh, but uh, they're still doing good. Now, uh, Take it real quickly, guys. Uh, the Braves. When do the playoffs start for the Braves? They Tuesday? start on Tuesday. Yeah. The the wild card series will start tomorrow, and those will go Friday to Sunday, and then the winner of those will move on into the uh, division series. And the Braves have a division series starting next Tuesday. And do they hold uh, home uh, yes home field advantage? Yes, the Braves do for the entire. Uh, division championship series for the entire division championship series, but not when the, if they were to win that and they play the Dodgers, then the Dodgers would have a home field advantage in that one. Okay, all right. Well, guys, you know, uh, you, you, any of you guys plan on going to the game uh, at Athens? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. No, I, I I'll go to every game that's played in Auburn. I'm not going to Athens or Tuscaloosa unless I'm getting paid for it. And well, Steve, good for you. I'll actually be uh, I'll be on the call for the Auburn and Georgia game for volleyball at the exact same time that Auburn and Georgia are playing in football. Uh, they're playing in volleyball, and I'll be doing the play-by-play for the SEC Network. Well, hopefully you should have a better time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I won't have to watch that yeah. football game. I'll be watching the volleyball. Now, if Jeff, you guys, if Jeff is listening, I, 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 I welcome your, your comments on this. But apparently some Auburn uh, people on uh, Auburn 247 Sports uh, went to the other side, Georgia's uh, 247 Sports website, and this is what some of them found. Uh, real quickly, one of their bloggers said, spinning on Auburn fans can cause dehydration and cramps. Be sure to drink Gatorade this Friday and maybe lick the back of a few bus seats to get some good goobers ready. I want every Auburn fan to feel like they're sitting next to Sylvester the Cat. Uh, and apparently, according to the Auburn posters, they said, uh, I got a lot of uh, upvotes. Uh, Gee, you know, is that what we've gotten to? Come on, Jeff. Surely uh, your your fans could be a little bit more. Uh, I mean, this used to be a respectful rivalry. I mean, it's not rivalry anymore. I think it's just a, you know, the oldest game, so the oldest rivalry. But I hope to gosh, you know, you know, people are just, you know, mouthing off. Oh, no. Look, Georgia fans will spit on you. They will cuss at you. They will pour beer on you. That's why I'm not going to Athens. I will never go to Athens unless it's in a professional role because – Georgia fans inside that stadium are, are hell to be around, and I've got a lot of firsthand stories about that one. So, no, I, I'm, I grew up amongst Georgia fans. I know what they're capable of, and I'm just not interested in going to a game there. I'll, I, will, I will say that the one trip that I made to Athens as a fan that I was treated very very nicely. Like ever, nobody, nobody said anything bad to me. I, I, was, I was left alone. So, Well, I've had grown men uh, bark at me. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. has happened, yes. That's, a, that's another thing that I'm just not interested in suffering for. happened a for. lot at the SEC Championship Correct. game in 2017. 
gee, and I thought, you know, only LSU fans uh, could, could be outdone, but I guess now it's gotten to be on uh, uh, your side. Okay, yeah. that's all I got, guys. Hey, thanks very much for listening to my rambling. Uh, I hope you guys have a uh, relaxing and safe afternoon. And uh, until next time, which will probably be tomorrow, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, our good pal, retired Ward M. Steve, joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 888 It's because... Brooks Childress is so intimidating. I That's mean, right. you just look at Brooks, yeah. and you're immediately you're fearful, terrified. That six foot seven inches of twisted steel and sex appeal, right, right there. Baby. Right. There's, there's no way that anyone would ever treat Brooks poorly. No, they're darn tooting. No, in an opposing stadium. They sure did. They sure That's did. My why older you've had sister. Great though. experiences. They sure say, did. My older sister. The, the two places in the SEC that everybody says have they have negative experiences: Georgia and LSU. I've been there a couple times as a fan to both. Well, once to Georgia and then once to LSU as fans. And I've been. I, it's been very pleasurable at both. I, the, the LSU was even better. They, I, we walked down there. You were with me uh, when we were down there. And we got offered food at a tailgate walking by, and they said, "Hey, come on over and eat. Have some beer." In Baton Rouge, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they were fairly nice to us. I don't hear as much about Baton Rouge being negative. Yeah, I know it's there I, a little I bit. Think but it, it's definitely Georgia that I takes think the prize. Baton Rouge used to be. It definitely used to have a worse reputation. I know a couple of LSU fans now. I, I've never been to Baton Rouge. I'll say that, but uh, I. I think that Baton Rouge has cleaned up its act and uh, a little bit, and and Georgia is just no. I I hate I hate the city of Athens. I was I was fine. I'm going up there uh, in a few weeks or in in about a month, and I'll be I'll be up there for a, a game that's Auburn's not involved in. But you're not going to walk around wearing Auburn gear. No, I won't, because Auburn's not there. Right. We may throw some orange in there though. So I think you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to a wedding in Buford in a couple of weeks. Buford. <laughs> near Athens. Buford. <laughs> Bueller. I'll be wearing my navy blue. Bueller. Maybe, the only suit maybe I, I should have. just break out my uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Do I break uh, out my Auburn tie hoodie. for that wedding? Yes. Do it. <laughs> Dare you. They, they, the, the happy couple both met at the University of Georgia, so that'd be fun. Some people are nice that have Georgia ties, you know? Some. The vast majority, and then alcohol no. gets involved and things happen. Oh no, they can be dead sober. Three three four eight eight seven three four zero one. I'm talking a lot of trash nine, about Georgia fans, and I will continue to Facebook, do so. Twitter, just, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. Have you ever been to Athens? Yes. Okay. Have you ever been to a game in Athens? No. Okay. I was gonna. I'm just saying. I, I was treated very nice up there, and when I was in Auburn gear. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. It happens. Have you ever been harassed at Georgia? Personally? Yeah. No. Okay. But every time that I've been there, it's been... In a professional setting? Correct. Where I don't have Auburn gear on whatsoever. And then, or additionally, I've been traveling with the baseball or softball team, and... They don't care as much about football. Yeah. You mean about... If it's not football. About anything other than football, yeah. Yeah. Alright. First hour of the show. You see, you see how ridiculous that's stadium full of grown ass men. I, I hate Georgia so freaking That's the first much, hour of the man. show, folks. Georgia Week! One hour in the Bucks, and we're rolling.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll chat with Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network. We'll talk all things Tiger Talk happening a little bit later this evening. The Auburn football team getting set for a game against Georgia and more. All of that set to take place when we talk with Brad Law here in about 10 minutes. At 5.15 on today's show, Chris Gordy is the host of Locked on SEC. We'll talk about the upcoming week in the sport. A lot of big games and matchups taking place in the conference. We'll take your phone calls. We've got a nightly TV guide still to go and a sports call player of the week to tell you all about here on the program. So, uh, talking about the SEC, headlines today across the conference. Max Johnson, the quarterback at LSU, a broken hand. He's going to be out of Saturday's game and could miss the rest of the season. Big story, guys. I mean, yeah, uh, you but I don't know how much it affects that in Texas A&M offense because Max Johnson could do a little bit more than Haynes King. It was a little bit you know more veteran uh, presence, but that offense still didn't look great when Max Johnson was out there compared to when Haynes King was out there. I you know I think you were heading toward a and it looked you know it appeared you were look, heading toward an Alabama victory on Saturday, but it continues to look that way with Haynes King going out there. I don't know if Haynes King is a guy that can go out there and beat a, an Alabama team that is now the number one team in the country once again. Um, other than that, you know, you look down the road for the Texas A&M team. The the season that was supposed to be a big success for uh, Jimbo Fisher just continues to look like it's going to spiral out of control here. And at the the more it keeps going downhill, the the more it just gives fire uh, and to the uh, to the boosters at Texas A&M that have allegedly are already uh, upset with Jimbo Fisher and some are ready to move on from him. And the, if it keeps getting downhill, I mean, I think we you know we talked to. Uh, Brandon Marcello earlier in the week before the this news came out, and he said that if it continues how you think it's how we, uh, it looks like it's going um, next year, Jimbo could be on the hot seat. If it goes downhill quicker, he could be out by the end of this year. You just don't know with the volatility of college football these days. But this the this injury to Max Johnson does not help matters in College Station. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I I thought Max Johnson was always a serviceable quarterback. And it looks like that was the best that A&M could hope for this year uh, is just a serviceable quarterback to get the offense going. Like you said, Brooks, it, it, they weren't looking good at any point. Um, but they they looked better. You know, there's a reason Haynes King got benched. He couldn't move the ball. A&M could not move the ball with him at quarterback. Um, and now you're throwing him back out there in what is probably going to be your toughest game of the year 
uh, against an Alabama team that has motivation uh, based on the the spat that the two head coaches had. Um, Jimbo Fisher did an excellent job of recruiting. Uh, you can also argue that the boosters did an excellent job of recruiting, but I've said before, true freshmen very rarely will help a team out uh, to a significant level. They can contribute, but it's tough to get those five stars in here and make them excellent players from day one. So Jimbo's kind of floundering a little bit right now. Uh, and like you said, those oil barons that boost that A&M program, if they want, if they want $100 million, it's going to take them three or four phone calls to get a hold of it. So Jimbo Fisher is is on the hot seat right now, and he better hope that he can get something out of Haynes King for the rest of the season. It's crazy we've gotten here, you know, that uh, with with the money that's there yeah. at College Station, yeah, it's absolutely, insane. and the facility they've they've just upgraded all their facilities down there. It's, I mean, I, I would admit this, you know, you you watch that Week One game against Sam Houston State, and they didn't look good. It moved, you know, they they didn't look great against Sam Houston State, but you're like, you know, you you chalk that up to, oh well, it's Week One, you know, you know, just gotta First get the butter, yeah, gotta got get the butterflies year, out, every, yeah. you know, let, let's just you know give it, and then it just hasn't gotten better. And I mean, you you beat a Miami team that was ranked at the time, but you look at them, and you're like, well, should they have been ranked at the time? And um, you you do beat an Arkansas team, but you beat them just barely, and you get blown out of the water by Mississippi State last week. And it's just you know a, a Mississippi State team that lost pretty handily to that LSU team that came in that uh, that Auburn almost beat this past weekend. Um, and so you just I don't know you know you you don't know what to make of the Sex A.M. team, but none of it is really positive. You know, it, it's kind of like, are they a bad team? Are they just a mid team? They're they're not a good team, but the, a team that was supposed to compete for the uh, the uh, a dark horse spot in the playoffs this year, it's just they are they are hurtling right now toward a Butch Jones um, <laughs> national. What was it? Uh, what did he call Champions it? of Life. Yeah, champ, they're hurtling toward the 2022 Champions of Life trophy. Yeah. It, doesn't it seem like we're always at that point some at some time with, with Jimbo Fisher's A&M teams, though? It's like, just A&M just, in general, man, really. They're, they're supposed to be so good. They've got all the resources. This is the year, and then it's not the year. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, Brad Law joins the program. We chat with him coming up next here on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. The 
The Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Here on this Thursday, I'm J.J. Jackson with Brooks Childress and Brandt Daughtry having fun on the program today, and we're so excited to get the opportunity now to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a very good friend of the program. He's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on this fine Thursday. The time is greatly appreciated. How's your day going so far, Brad? How's the week been? JJ, we are great and hope everybody else is uh, as well. War Eagle to everybody. Just a, just a gorgeous day. How could you not feel great on a day like today? What is your favorite part of this time of year living on the plains? Oh, that's a good. Well, I'm biased now. I'm I'm driving my nine year old son to his baseball game right now. So around the time that these baseball games are played, the sun is setting. The temperature is perfect. Um, right now, the humidity is not too bad. Uh, I mean, it, it again is. You look around. There's a lot to be thankful for if you get a setting like that. Sunset, ballpark, sun playing ball, living on the plains. <laughs> You know, that's it's pretty nice. So many things to be thankful for, for sure. Yeah. yeah anytime we don't have to worry about the sweltering heat, I find myself yeah. in a much better mood. Uh, and so, yeah, that's something that I can absolutely appreciate about this time of year. Yeah, no, we have two seasons. We have summer and Valentine's Day. And thankfully, <laughs> this is kind of falls somewhere in between. So. All right, well, we've got an Auburn football team that's getting set for their first road trip. I mean, we saw this a few years ago in 2016, five weeks into the year. Really strange that uh, now it's time to go ahead and go on the road for the first time of the season. Now that we've finally gotten to this point, what are you thinking about the fact that Auburn's going to play in a different stadium other than Jordan-Hare? That was a happy memory, JJ. I think that 2016 team... The first time they went on the road was at Mississippi State. I believe so. And Mon Adams had like a fumble recovery touchdown. Yes. And, and Auburn was up 28 or 35 to nothing at halftime. You know, I think we could probably expect the same thing Saturday. No, I, I you know, obviously the situation has is, is changed a little bit. And this Georgia team is different than that Mississippi State team was. But that team handled the challenge exceedingly well of going on the road for the first time. And, uh, this is a team that probably is looking forward to uh, a little bit of a, of a change. And, and I think this team is built to embrace challenges. And, you know, despite what the rankings say, I think we can all look at the game so far and, and see that Georgia has played better than anybody else in the country. And uh, why would you not? Your, your first road game to be at perhaps the best team in the country and the defending national champs, why not? Why wouldn't you want that as your first test of the year? if you embrace competition the way I think this team does. Brad, looking back at this past weekend against LSU, the Tigers got off to a really, really hot start, got out to a 17-point lead before falling back into the the rut that they've been doing in the second half. What does this Tigers team have to do to keep that momentum going into the second half? It's a great question. I wish I knew the answer to that. If I knew the answer to that, Coach Harson would have hired me as an analyst (laughs) on his staff and – and I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. I, it, it's uncanny. It goes back to last year. I mean, what what was the, what's the difference in games now versus you know the uh, Arkansas game last year when Auburn closed that game out in the third and fourth quarter uh, a year ago on the road in Fayetteville? I don't know. I'm not smart enough, I guess, to figure out what the difference is. I don't know if it's 
uh, teams are adjusting better. Um, I don't know if it's players are giving out. They're they're in good shape. I, I don't think that it's uh, you know giving out. There's enough depth that guys are rotating. I don't know what the answer is, but it's certainly an emphasis. Uh, the players know. The coaches know that they have the ability to start fast. And I think something that Coach Harson is is fond of saying. He says we got to start fast and then accelerate. Right? It's not it's not enough just to start fast, but you've got to start well and then either keep that same kind of tenacity or execution or functionality um, or find a way to increase throughout the course of a game. You can't, can't shoot all of your bullets in the, in the first quarter and have nothing left for the rest of the game. I don't have the answer. Whatever it is, though, they've, they've got to be able to figure it out or else games are just going to keep going the way that they've gone. And it's a shame because there's talent and there's hard work and, and we see how good they can be early in these games. Brad, uh, we've looked at Robbie Ashford against LSU, and he had by far the best game of his very young college career and appears to be growing up before our eyes. Every game he looks a little bit better and a little bit better, and finally he exploded for over 300 yards uh, against LSU. Talk a little bit about his development, and where do you think his ceiling is? Well, I thought what you saw in 337 yards, those may not have been a traditional 337, right, where he, he compl- what was it, 18 of 36, I think he was. Something like that. completion those weren't um, all drop back passes where he you know checked down and went to his first or second or third read in the route tree and then found a guy for a big gain but it's still progress what did Robbie do against LSU that he didn't do as much against Missouri and that is when a play broke down and when he scrambled he didn't just put his head down and think to run he kept his head up Sam White talked about it on our broadcast. He kept his fundamentals. He kept his feet balanced under him, kept his shoulders balanced over his frame rather than leaning forward and putting his head down and only looking to scramble. And as a result, he found three or four guys breaking open that did their job and and kept running. Um, But he sort of kept the, the quarterback mindset. He kept the throwing mindset as opposed to simply scrambling and using his feet. And that resulted in some of the biggest plays of the game for, for Auburn, including the longest pass of the game, which was the 61-yard of Jarquez Hunter. So that in itself is a development. The other stuff continues to come. You know, He continues to, to try and get better with his footwork and his mechanics and going through the progressions of his receivers. But you know, I thought the simple fact that instead of looking to run solely, he kept his head up and continued to look to throw a bunch of times was an improvement and a progression. And then, Brad, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, you briefly mentioned his name there uh, with, with one of the passes, but everyone wants to talk about Tank Bigsby was the running back, but Jarquez Hunter, he didn't get a lot of carries for a lot of yards this past Saturday, but what he did was very, very meaningful. Talk about uh, what you saw from Jarquez this season so far. I've seen hunger from Jarquez. I mean, you see a guy who was injured in the spring and and wants to be out there. I mean, he's he's strong as an ox. We all know that. I liked some of his decision-making. We saw a couple of runs Saturday where he was patient in the hole, and he let guys overrun gaps. And then he cut back, and he got eight yards, whereas, you know, if he had just blasted right through there, he might have had one, maybe no gain on, on the play. So I think we're seeing another guy who's maturing and um, – he is getting less attention from defenses because Tank is getting so much of the attention. 
he is taking advantage of a complimentary role. Is he going to be the feature back someday, potentially next year? Yeah, I kind of expect that. But right now, he's he's playing his role well, and he's being productive. When Tank comes out of the game, defenses aren't selling out completely to stop Jarquez the way they are Tank. Tank draws – guys, it's crazy how much attention Tank is getting. Just watch linebackers, and when Tank's in the backfield – the linebackers are coming up a half yard or a yard. They're cheating up closer to the line of scrimmage simply because of his presence in the game. And then Jarquez is in, and they go to, to regular depth. So um, he's taking advantage of that, and wisely so, I, I think, to this point. Our guest is Brad Law with the Auburn Sports Network. Auburn football taking on Georgia Saturday, 2.30 kickoff. At 11.30, the broadcast begins and the, ver- the first voice that you will hear is our guest, Brad Law. How much have you enjoyed kind of uh, steering the ship in that pregame show, the Tiger Tailgate show so far this season, Brad? Oh, it's different. I, I talked to Paul Allen a couple of times, and, and you know, Paul did it for, for 32 years um, before he, you know, began this health battle, and, um, and, and his recovery is going well, and we're all thankful for that. Very but, good. It's, it's definitely different. I mean, he's the best to ever do it, and I'm biased, but I stand by that. He's the best to ever do it. It's, um, it's, it's an expanded role with the guys on the air, which I enjoy, um, but well, I sure do hope it's temporary because we're all hoping to have Paul back in the seat next year. No kidding. All right, so we've got Tiger Talk coming up this evening, and we mentioned the first time uh, this season that Auburn's heading on to the road to play a football game on Saturday. So what does that mean for Tiger Talk tonight? What's the rundown for us, Brad? Well, it's a similar style of rundown. It's just the location has changed. We're, we're on campus in, in, in-house tonight, and uh, we're going to talk with volleyball coach Brent Crouch. His team went out last night, and very nearly pulled off the road win at LSU. They're sitting tied atop the SEC standings. There's a four-way tie, I believe, at the top at 3-1 and one in the league. And, uh, and Auburn is right there with just one loss all season long. A terrific start for the youngest team in America. <laughs> and uh, Coach Crouch is going to talk about how he kind of thought they were a year or two away from competing at this level, but this group of freshmen didn't really interested in waiting. So... They've played great, and they have two big matches at home this weekend, and we encourage people to go check them out against Georgia at 4 o'clock Saturday and Sunday. In addition to Coach Crouch, uh, we have Coach Harson, and then we get a little bit of uh, Aussie Rules football uh, tutorial from Oscar Chapman, the Australian punter. That's exciting. And he'll be with us on the show tonight as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Brad, thank you so much for the time as always. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy Tiger Talk as well, and uh, we'll chat with you again soon, okay? You got it. Our pleasure. War Eagle, everybody. War Eagle. That's our pal Brad Law joining us there on the program here on Sports Call. Again, Tiger Talk tonight at 6 o'clock on FM Talk 93.9. And uh, an Australian will be featured on the show in our legendary punter, Oscar Chapman. That's uh, must-listen radio. Anytime I, you get a chance to listen to an Australian speak. Yes, I uh, attempted to go Australian there and said nobody wants to hear me do that so i decided not to do that because i don't have that great of an australian you accent gotta clear, you gotta keep your client gotta keep your conscience clear yeah you want to so badly here i, I could see it in I your mean, eyes you want you want to you want to do the next segment in australian accent all right well let's you can it. brother all right let's do that <laughs> we'll talk about auburn football against georgia next here on sports call
us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on the program, it's Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson uh, with Brooks Childress. And Brant Daughtry, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sports Call AU. What was your name again? JJ Jocks. Jocks. <laughs> that's that's your um. What's like the cartoon? Like I'm the starting quarterback. I'm JJ Jackson. <laughs> yeah. I'm the starting quarterback for you know Coolsville High School. Yeah, man. I don't know what accent I was going for there. I just uh, was trying to be creative, and something kind of silly happened. Something happened. Yeah. JJ Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> what is your name? Uh, I don't know. Brooks Childress? Uh, Childress? Childress. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, good to chat with Brad there. And again, make sure you check out Tiger Talk a little bit later this evening on FM Talk 93.9 uh, as he'll chat with Auburn football head coach Brian Harson. A lot of good things to say about that running back room for the Tigers this year. And it's unfortunate that the team has struggled so much this season and that it does feel like this team's not destined for a whole lot of success the rest of the way because, boy, you look at that running back room and you have Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. That's one of the best duos in the league. And it's it's more unfortunate, too, when you think about what happened during the offseason with all the rumors swirling that Tank Bigsby was going to leave and transfer. And, you know, it, it apparently, you know, got convinced that uh, – you know, to come back because you know we're going to be good. You know, you, we need you. And he comes back, and here's here's what happened. You know, it, it does not. You know, you do have a winning record, three and two right now, but it's not a promising three and two. It's not. You know, you look at that three and two, and you don't say, oh yeah, three and two. You're like, oh, it's three and two. It's it, it it's unfortunate because, like you said, it, it's one of the best overall running back duos in the league i mean you know you usually you know you think about some of the schools that usually have great running back tandems i'd say lsu's got a pretty good one this year with their their two running big running backs um georgia's usually a team that has some good running backs but you know we we talked to brandon marcello earlier this week and you can see it they're not as big of a running team this year they they've got a they're trying to establish that they haven't had a lot of success on the ground um Alabama does not have any uh, a running back that's standing out above everybody else uh, like they have in the past. They've, they've really got a bunch, a bunch of very, very talented pieces in, in around uh, uh, Bryce Young, and they're just winning football games with the with the dominant offense. But this is one of the the running back duos in the league that you look at. And you're like, yeah, this is it. This this could be really good. And it's unfortunate because you you know the just in general the offense hasn't clicked. They haven't found a real identity of what they want to do. If they want to pass the ball, if they want to run the ball, it differs game to game. And the offensive line just hasn't played up to a level that can allow the running backs to get a get a lot of yards. So we'll see how that can change and what adjustments can be made moving yep. forward the rest of the year. Uh, they did make some good changes on that offensive line. Uh, we heard 
in the Auburn Sports Today update. Brandon Council highlighting the fact that, like he did playing for Akron, he has now played all five offensive line positions for the Tigers, which is uh, pretty impressive that he was able to pull off something like that. All right, we do this each and every week, Brooks, but I think it's important for us to take an opportunity here to highlight our newest Sports Call Player of the Week. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Braves first baseman Matt Olson is Sports Call's Player of the Week, brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. The lefty slugger broke out of a slump last week, following up the worst month of his career with a six-game stretch that saw him hit 375 with five home runs and nine RBIs. In the biggest series of the season, a weekend set against the Mets, Olsen homered in all three games off of New York's top starters, leading the Braves to a sweep and closing in on a fifth straight division title. Matt Olson is Sports Call's Player of the Week. Sports Call's Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Matt Olson, the Braves' first baseman, you heard the numbers right there. We were uh, very, very tough on the guy, uh, as we should have been. It was the worst month of his professional career. And then you know what? He said, hey, we've got a humongous series coming up against the New York Mets, trying to win this National League Eastern Division. Let me go ahead and play my best baseball. And Braves country's excited about that because Matt Olson was that good. Yeah, and then you, you look at, you know, Player of the week, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, this guy did this one certain day, especially if it's football. We only play once a week, so it's one game. But if you look at last week, gets had six games, three against the Nationals, three against the Mets. You came out of that series, just the Braves won out of both of those. You were, what, five and one on the week out of the six games? And then on the week, you know, we, we said it, but Matt Olson, 375 average, seven runs, nine hits, uh, five home runs, nine RBIs. Like, that is impressive. He broke out of that slump, and he even homered yesterday, too, when that game against the, the Marlins had, uh, had no meaning on, on the playoff race or because everything had been knocked up. But he came out, and he, he just missed a home run earlier in the game and then homered later in the game. So they said on the broadcast, you may have to take him kicking and screaming into a break because he's he on fire these last few weeks and, uh you know, broke into the player of the week category. And hopefully... He could keep it going next, starting next Tuesday with whoever the Braves face in the division series. Yeah, Matt Olson's been on fire. And like you said, J.J., coming off the, the worst period of play in his career um, to have a series like that and to continue it in that series against the Marlins to a point, not quite as hot, but still hit a home run in that series. Uh, just a, an excellent job from him coming alive when the Braves needed him to most. Um, the Braves had more home runs in that series than the Mets had runs, period. <laughs> and and he was a very big part of that, him and Dansby Swanson. That both. helps. Uh, and it was a it was it was a big moment for him. It was a big moment for him as a Brave. A big moment for him as an individual. I mean, yeah. first time ever that Matt Olson has been named the sports call player of the week. <laughs> Is it really? Be, That's yeah. a big honor. Wow. That's a, a big, big honor. honor. Don't you agree, Brooks? Yeah. It's the biggest Again, of honors. I, I think we should like make make up a little certificate and mail it and to him. And send it to him. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd like it. You think it would be hang in the locker? Yeah. <laughs> do you think? Do you think if we did that? Because we had Bo Nix as Player of the Week earlier. Do you think he we would have shipped one all the way to Eugene, Oregon? I would do he it. He would have looked at it and gone. I thought I got away from these morons. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but then he would have hung it in his locker with pride. Yeah, absolutely. Alongside the other ones he has. Yeah. Because he's got a couple at this he, point. He does have a few. I know. I think I voted Bo Nix. 
You've voted Bo Nix every and a half weeks. Yeah, every week. Every week. He's since, been great since, yeah. since that BYU game they played. But Matt Olson was better this week. He was better. Sports Call's Player of the Week, brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. We've had a long run of uh, Players of the Week in the baseball. Albert Pujols last week, Austin Riley in recent memory as well. Let me pull back up the list. It's something I take pride in keeping up with. I'm going to say it was it was Olson Pujols, Bo Nix was the week before. Yeah. And I, then I don't know. It would have been it would have been an Auburn player, an Auburn football player. I don't think we've for named that, an uh, Auburn football player yet. For Albert Pujols? Yeah. Bo Nix. Bo Nix. Carlos Alcaraz. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the U.S. Open. In the U.S. Open. Cam Riley. Yeah. Cam Riley, yep. the first okay. week of the season. Roy McIlroy. Anna Haddock. Michael Harris II. Money Mike. Yoan Traor. Austin Israel. Riley. Aaron Judge. I'm so sorry. Matt Olson has been player of the week. I, I before. Okay. Hey, okay. Back on July 18th of 2022. I thought I had... Uh, July was a long time ago, A long man. time ago. How are we supposed to remember those things? Chase Elliott, Austin it's Riley, Dansby months. Swanson, Steph Curry, Blake Burkhalter, Brody Moore, Austin Riley, Justin Thomas, Luka Doncic, Ronald Acuna Jr., Bobby Pierce, Nate LaRue, Suni Lee, Scotty Scheffler, Sony Deshera, Christian Pulisic, Doug Edert, Lindsey Garcia, Matty Pinta, Suni Lee, Steph Curry, Walker Kessler, Wendell Green Jr., Katie Johnson, Ioka Lee, Josh Allen, Daniel Carlson, Walker Kessler... That has been every single 2022 Sports Call Player of the Week winner. What did Daniel Carlson do? Probably the playoff game. That, that last game of the when he kept hitting those field goals. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I assumed he hit field goals, but like, what was what was the situation? Because it was like the Raiders and Chargers had that insane game to try and go to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Where if they tied, they both would have gone, and then the Chargers called a timeout at the worst possible time. Correct. I remember that. Correct. And then, then Daniel hit like a 56-yarder to win it. Austin Riley's got a few of them this year, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Hey, he went he went through that stretch in the middle of the season where we said he might win the MVP this year. Also, and of course fell off and it's probably going to be uh who's the first baseman for the Cardinals his name escapes me right now. Paul no. Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt, yeah. yeah probably going to be Goldschmidt. Also, upset of the year, and it's not really looking back in hindsight, but that Ronald Acuna, if you said Ronald Acuna would only win Player of the Week for us once this baseball season, I would have said, well, did he get hurt? Yeah, yeah. But he's just been he's just been off this year. He's been, he's been a 260 guy, maybe a 270 when he's, we're so used to him being a 290, 300 guy. Our website, thetiger.fm, published back on January 10th of this year. Daniel Carlson, Sports Calls Player of the Week. Las Vegas Raiders kicker Daniel Carlson is Sports Calls Player of the Week. The former Auburn star and all-time leading scorer in the SEC went 5-for-5 on field goal attempts and 2-for-2 on extra points in the final game of the regular season, including a 47-yard game winner in overtime. The game winner added to a historic season for Carlson as it was his fifth game winner kicked this year. That's I think why. he's I think he's made his last... what. 20-something field goals in the regular season. He hasn't missed a regular season field goal in a very long time, which is funny because he missed an extra point this past Sunday. But he has made field goals after field goal after field goal. I don't think he's missed in a very long time. Um, Just got a press release seconds ago from Auburn Basketball passing along the update. Headline, Westry Pearl undergo arthroscopic knee surgeries. Auburn freshman guard Chance Westry and head coach Bruce Pearl both underwent arthroscopic knee surgery on Thursday. Dr. James Andrews, Auburn University's chief 
orthopedic surgeon was pleased with the outcome of both procedures to their right knees. Pearl will return to practice on Monday after the university's fall break, while Westry will be out the next three to four weeks. So Chance Westry uh, and Bruce Pearl, knee surgeries. Um, There you go. Coach Pearl's always had bad knees, as he's told us frequently. (laughs) Glad he was able to get some surgery. Do you think it was at the same time? (laughs) Do you think it was done by the same doctor in the same operating room? Yeah. Well, it was done by the same doctor. That's true, yeah. Do you think they just wheeled out Chance and then wheeled in Bruce? I think they just put them both in there. And both of them? Side-by-side tables. The, the doctor's ambidextrous. He does one with each hand. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny and incredible timing and such a Bruce Pearl thing to do. Because Have knee surgery? Yeah, well, <laughs> have, have it at the same time as a player. You know, I obviously hope both of them recover well and... They're both uh, able to make it uh, in in start in time for the start of basketball season, but well, Bruce is coming back on Monday. So. Right, right. Well, Bruce's knees are a little less crucial to his ability <laughs> to what he's going, what's going to be asked of him. What? What? When we had him on the last time. We asked him when the last time he played pickup basketball was. Do you remember the answer? When he was like yeah. an assistant coach right. at Iowa, yeah, a long yeah. time ago. So, he, he, so yeah, he knocked a guy out. I remember in that pickup game and that's when he decided to to stop enough playing. is enough yeah. yeah let's take our final timeout of hour number two of sports call we're back in a moment on tiger 95.9 fm we need a timeout sports call will be back after this quick break Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. Final segment here of hour number two, 515 today. We talk with Chris Gordy. Chris Gordy of the Locked on SEC podcast. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap skills and games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, then tap enable to use and you're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Thursdays over the years for this program, We've talked about the National Football League pretty frequently. We've got a Thursday night game tonight featuring the Colts and the Denver Broncos. And uh, it's setting up for another fun Sunday. Sunday we'll have uh, Atlanta Falcons football that you can listen to here on 95.9 FM. And uh, they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The game will be played in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium. Kickoff set for noon central. Again, you can listen here on 95.9 FM. So uh, to close out the hour, we're going to talk about the National Football League. But we're going to do it with an Australian accent. All right. I'm here ready for it. All right, man. All right. Well, that was... Lant went right, real country real quick. I don't want you to break character. I want you to keep right. going for me. Okay. But I'm going to try my Chris best. Chris Gaines? I'm going to try my best <laughs> to join Gaines. the, uh, to join the accent, okay? So, All right. uh, Colts 
and bronco. I'll tell you, tell you horses. The carts and the broncos. A lot, lot, of, lot of horsepower. Well, horses, not really. Yeah. It's not well, that's, that's the thing. It's two, two very disappointing offenses Yeah, here. it's not a lot of horsepower. Because you've got two quarterbacks that are in new situations. Both of them have been really good over the course of their careers. But... Uh, Man, they just haven't really worked out in the new spots. And, uh, you know, both both starting running backs going to be out tonight as well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor of the Colts uh, has got a knee issue. And um, who's, who's the running back for the Javante Broncos? Williams hey, Javante, Javante Williams. Javante Williams is going to be playing uh, with only one functioning knee. So <laughs> this, this guy over here, he just got off the boat. There's a little bit of British shaking in over there. No, I, what are you talking about? Yeah, I that, that was British. There's that was pretty British. British. No, 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 no. Just, it just... Like, no distractions. Just keep talking. This okay? whole segment's a distraction. Uh, what are you talking about? Oh, no. So it's it's Colts <laughs> and Broncos. We got a lot of horsepower. Uh, no, we don't. You see those offenses this year? It's not a lot of horsepower. That's, that's kind of the, uh, Matt the Ryan. point is that there's not a whole yeah. lot of horsepower. Matt Ryan's out here throwing interceptions you, you left your, and right. I, I don't care if it... Uh, keep going. All right, this fine. This is wonderful. <laughs> All, right. All right, fine. You fine. may be just the off fact, the boat, but you've got to keep talking. I'm not yeah. just off the boat, mate. That, that you referenced what? the, the uh, running box, that was very good. <laughs> Say running backs again. <laughs> running box. There you go. You're going the wrong way. You're going box. It's not box. It's backs. Backs. Outback. Like a Outback. Outback like a Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. What? Oi, oi. I don't know. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. That's, that's how it's done, mate. Thursday night football. Who's, it's not Australian rules football. It's American for rules it's football. It's Ameri- American rules football, also known as just American football, also just football. If I, you're from I, you, know, you, you look at it, and, and Russell Wilson's got a real good shot to come out here tonight. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has got a real good shot to come out here tonight and just just wrestle these Indianapolis Colts down like he's after a, uh, a saltwater crocodile. And if he gets his, if he can get a, a good a good good drive established early, you can get that offense rolling a little bit. Let Russ cook a little bit like he's at the Barbie. But you know, other than that, I just that don't. Forced. I just do not see. This Colts team beating beating the Broncos tonight. It's not. It's uh, uh, Matt Ryan's going to throw some interceptions. Matt Ryan is old. Wow, he's old. He's he's he is pretty old. He's older so, than he's older than he's older than a uh, a, a chicken biscuit. Just stop. No. <laughs> what <laughs> chicken biscuit? <laughs> Who's been the best team in the NFL this season? Who stood out to you? Who's number one in the league in your eyes? Uh, to me, the team that's by far the most surprising has got to be the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think Jalen Hurts has proven a lot of people, including myself, pretty wrong. <laughs> uh, I didn't think he was going to have a whole lot of success when he transferred out of Alabama. I and mean, then he got to the Big 12 and he started lighting them up, them up. And I said, well, of course he is. He's playing in the Big 12. Well, now he's in the NFL. He's still doing the same thing. He looks really good out there. And uh, I think that uh, with him going forward... I think that the Philadelphia Eagles have found their quarterback of the future. I like, and I'm, I'm glad I can like Jalen Hurts a little bit. Uh, I, I always thought he was a cool dude. Uh, watching him play at Alabama, I had to hate him. Uh, and then he got to move to Oklahoma, and I said, "Well, well done, son. I'm, I'm a fan of yours now." And uh, been been cheering for him uh, in the in the NFL as well. And when he and scores uh, touchdowns, you say Hurts, doesn't it? No. 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 But when he scores touchdowns, we can sing together. Let's sing, "Fly Eagles, Fly." E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles! There's nobody listening to this. Did you is that the actual song? Yes. That's stupid. It's very stupid. That's stupid. 
who do I you thought think that song was just, stupid who, who is J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Well, that's true. I thought this song was just booing. Who do you think is <laughs> Only if the best Santa team Claus. in the NFL? My best. Uh, that I, was a good breakdown on the Eagles. I like Thank the you. Eagles. I like the Eagles. Good choice. But I, I think you, you look at it, it. It doesn't come out of your nose, mate. It comes out of the back of your throat. I, I think. Oh, I would go with with the the team in the AFC, and it's not the Buffalo Bills. I think the the, the Kansas City Chiefs have really stepped Been back up this year. Well. They they looked a little off last year. You didn't think that they were the same Chiefs this that you've so seen the last stupid. few years. <laughs> the Chiefs are not stupid. Not stupid at all. The Chiefs are a good football team. But you, you look at it, and I, you th- it seems like Patty Mahomes has finally got it, got his feet back under him. He's, he's playing some Excellent really, use really of good Patty football. Mahomes. Yeah, you like that? I liked it a lot. It's it's, and it, it's a it's a team that you when you went into this season, and especially a division with the the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos, with a lot of talent on all three of those teams, you're like maybe they they may end up in second here, but they've just rocketed themselves up, and it, it doesn't help that the other teams have not looked great. They to got start championship the year. pedigree. Yeah, they do pedigree. I, I pray to God this is somebody's first episode of Sports Ball. <laughs> Can we get Oscar Chapman on here? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's oh going to talk God. to him. Tiger talk yes. a little bit later. Yeah. But, Tiger talk. But Tiger talk. The Chiefs, I think, right now <sighs> are the best team. I, I've seen a little bit of weaknesses right there with the Bills. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a fully committed to the Eagles. I think they're a really good football team, but I'm not fully ready to commit to them as the best team. But the Chiefs, I'm, I'm crowning them. They're currently best team. I, I, you can't take that away from me. Do the Colts or the Broncos win tonight? I already said I, I gave you my pick. This you Broncos. like the Broncos? Yeah. Also, I, think, I think the Broncos. Cheerio. I, oh, good God. I think the Broncos are going to take it tonight. Uh, I, I don't think they're very good. Uh, I certainly have not figured it out yet. Uh, Matt Ryan is currently on pace to uh, break the NFL record for fumbles in a season. No! Not, obviously not entirely on him, but he has nine through four games. No! That's pretty spectacular. Wow! St- stop! Stop! <laughs> I'm do? sorry. What are you We're almost it. out of time, Hope. <laughs> You know what, my fiance- you gotta, you gotta yeah. learn how to stop like trying to imitate yeah. an entire accent and just find somebody whose voice kind of sounds like yours and imitate them. You, you know what, my fiance won at the Lee County Fair the other Rice. night. Pickles. No, a Steph Koala. It's Steph a true Koala. story. Let her go. She's got a little Steph the Koala. National food of Australia. Well, you say two hours are in the books. Two hours are in the books, and we are going well, to th- fight. We'll do it better. Uh, we're, go- say- we're going bowling. Two hours of this show are in the books, and we're going to go take a look at some dingoes while we take a break. And you'll come back, and we'll tell you about... It's stereotype. Not a whole lot of dingoes in Australia. How dare you. That's not true. There are a ton of dingoes. And then we'll be back. We're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. 
Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry inside our studio. We're having loads of fun here on this Thursday. Coming up at 5.15, our pal Chris Gordy, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast, will join us. Looking forward to talking all things that Southeastern Conference football with him here in about 10 minutes or so. All right, let's do this. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um... Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, our daily show recap here on this Thursday. Brooks Childress, what has happened so far today, sir? Um, Tom Foolery. Tom Foolery. We offended an entire country. <laughs> we, uh, we talked in Australian accents for a little bit. It was very recent. It'll happen. We spoke to Brian, uh, Brian. We spoke to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Not in Australian accents, though, although... I would like to hear Brad Law's Australian accent, and maybe that we can uh, arrange that for the next time he's on on a program. Uh, we've also talked to uh, some callers today. We had a lot of fun talking to them, and we've continued to preview the Auburn versus Georgia football game coming up here on Saturday as we continue to inch closer to another edition of the Deep South's oldest rivalry. So got a lot of great stuff to continue to come forward on the show. It's like you said, Chris Gordy coming up here in just a little bit, and of course we'll finish out our show today with the Nightly TV Guide. So we, if, if you listened so far, thank you for listening. If you haven't, listen to the Sports Call podcast and keep listening going forward. If, if you've been listening the whole time, we're sorry. Why? <laughs> we appreciate all the support, as Very always. Yes. Uh, our website, thetiger.fm. We have our October monthly predictions up. Those are always a lot of fun, trying to predict what's going to happen. At the start of the month, throughout the month, we ask ourselves, who's going to win the American League pennant? Who's going to win the National League pennant? Spoiler alert, we've got people saying the Yankees and Astros will win the American League pennant and answers submitted for the Dodgers, Braves, and Mets to win the National League pennant. Those Those are our October Sports Call Monthly predictions. Also on the website, we've got an opponent preview, Brant Daughtry, for That's this me. weekend's game against Georgia. I wrote that. Tell me about it. Uh, yeah, basically what I do is I go through and I, I recap the uh, the the head coach's career, uh, not his entire career, but basically what he's done as a head coach, and Kirby Smart in his first big-time job as a head coach right now, and it's going very well. Uh, I talk a little bit about uh, different players that the offense and defense has. Uh, the quarterback gets their own little mention uh, somewhere. I, I talk about what the team did last year and how they look this year compared to last year, and and then at the little at the bottom, I give my own little blurb of, "Hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, this is what this game means to me, and uh, what what I think winning and losing will do to a program, and what this does for for both individual teams." And and this is no exception. You know, I, I kind of list at the bottom without giving too much away. Winning this game would be huge for Auburn. It, it could it could change the program uh, going forward. Uh, but if it if Auburn doesn't win it, then I, I think it continues down the path that's headed and and that's not a good path to be on and i love your title so much between the hedges and a hard place yeah well done man thank you i was kind of proud of that it that took me way too long to think of for as (laughs) not clever that's good man that's really good brand it's clever it just took me way too long to think of 
I like you like that Brooks. Yeah. Between the hedges and a hard place. Yeah. Well done by this man right here. Thank you, Brant Daughtry. He gets his cookies today. That's well done. I'm good at what I do sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, Brooks, what do you want to say about the Auburn and Georgia game coming up on Saturday? I mean, we've talked about it a lot. We're going to talk about it a lot more tomorrow. Uh, I ask this, however, because you guys won't be on the show tomorrow. True. Brooks, you've got Beauregard High School football. Brant Daughtry taking over as our voice of Smith Station Panther football. Yes, and uh, they'll play Opelika tomorrow. Beauregard taking on Elmore County. So you guys won't be here tomorrow. So let's talk Auburn and Georgia. What do you guys think? What's going on? Um, you know, it, like I said earlier, it's not impossible that Auburn pulls off the upset up there in Athens on Saturday. It's just improbable that I in, right at this point, um, I think Auburn can, I think Auburn can surprise a few people and hang around for a, at least a little bit in the first half. Um, but you know, we we talked about it. You you've seen this Georgia team struggle the last couple of weeks against uh, Kent State and against um, Missouri. And you were kind of you're you're trying to shaking your head. You're like scratching your head, and you're like, "What's going on up there?" And and I, I think that like uh, I think it could be a possibility of what uh, Brandon Marcello said earlier this week that they're kind of bored with their opponents. There's not really been a, a challenge. You know, they came out and they rocked uh, Oregon, and then they rocked South Carolina um, shortly thereafter. And it's kind of like, well, you know. What what now? Like there's there's not really a team on the schedule that we look at and we're you know kind of concerned about. Maybe Florida, maybe Tennessee gives them a little worry down the road. But early in the year, there's not a, not a team that they're particularly worried about. So I, I think that Auburn can can hang around just a little bit. But if there's a game that you know if if it is that they've been bored and they've been playing down to their opponents a little bit. Uh, there, if there's a team that Georgia's not going to do that against, and it's Auburn, uh, because Kirby Smart um, notably does not like Auburn, uh, notably you know did not like Gus Malzahn, and so you know when you think about oh he, Kirby Smart doesn't take his foot off the pedal, well he's only faced up until last year he'd only faced Gus Malzahn as the head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and so he it's noted that he does not like Gus, and so he wanted to keep putting his pedal you know his foot down. And uh, you know, continue to score and score, and so I, I like I said, I think Auburn maybe can hang around a little bit tomorrow, but I think once you get into it a little bit, I think that the that Georgia team is going to wake up uh, from w- whatever's been happening the last couple weeks. I think they're going to win. I don't know if they cover the thirty because that's that's a big number to cover. That's right? a lot. That's that's uh, a Alabama. Very large Alabama frequently is favored by twenty five to thirty points over whoever they're playing, and they barely cover. Um, if ever, you know, there, there's a lot of times they don't cover against some of the smaller schools, and so I, I think that they, I think it could be a, a three score game, but I don't think it can get up to a thirty point deficit. I think I think Georgia's going to come out and they're going to they're going to look good, and you know, I, I think this is going to finally be one of those games that you you look at and it's going to say, yep. This is uh this is rough. This is really rough. Instead of giving a lot of hope that it could not be rough so far this year, the Auburn Tigers prepare to take on Georgia on Saturday from Jordan Hare Stadium. We'll talk about other matchups across the conference with our next guest, Chris Gordy, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Join Sports Call right after this on Tiger ninety five point nine FM. AJ Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. 
I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. And we're thrilled now to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the program. He is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He's Chris Gordy, and he's kind enough to join us here on today's program. Chris, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you today, sir? Harson Watch. Is that what we're on, fellas? <laughs> always, 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 always. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, look, for two straight weeks in a row, I mean, you guys, you know, Auburn plays a close game. They win the game against Missouri that they, that they uh, you know, probably shouldn't have, and then lose the close one to LSU that they probably should have. So, uh, you know, look, they're, they're still playing hard, playing close, and if they lose a close game to Georgia this weekend, I think maybe you, you might come away a little bit pleased, uh, albeit, you know, with another loss. But, uh, man, when I saw that line with 30 points, I was like, man, is this, is this still a rivalry game? Good thing. Yeah, and Auburn hasn't won there since 2005. It's really tough to uh, to find a way to win there in Athens, uh, as Tiger fans are well aware of. But this just kind of feels inevitable, right? Even for somebody from the outside looking in uh, with the podcast and the show that you've got, Chris, it just kind of feels like a change is coming at some point here for Auburn, right? Yeah, I mean, at SEC Media Days, everybody asked me, you know, who's on the hot seat? You know, is there a coach that could get fired? And, and the two people I said was Eli Drinkwitz and, and Brian Harson and uh, man, look no further than that game two weeks ago and how ugly it was. I'm like, who wants to get fired more? I mean, it's like, you know, just terrible effort on both sides. But, um, no, I mean, it, it reminds me, guys, a lot of, you know, when, when things started spiraling for Fred Ogeron. I mean, when he goes to, you know, two years ago, they go and lose that opener at UCLA. And really, everybody kind of started saying, okay, well, you know, is he even the right guy here? Should we make a move? And then it was really later in that season when they lose to Kentucky, uh, get blown out at Kentucky. That's when a lot of the big money people kind of said, all right, that's it. We, we can't do this anymore. They end up making the announcements. They fired him. Now he still finished coaching the year. But, um, you know, it, it, you kind of knew at that point. And it feels that way with Harson. Like, everything that happened this offseason, was he able to save his job, you know, uh, salvage the offseason and regroup? Yes. But – Ask anybody how much faith they had in Brian Harson when the season started. I think, uh, you know, maybe some of the true blue, diehard Auburn fans said, yeah, I think he's the right guy. I think he's going to turn this thing around. But I think if most people were being realistic with themselves, I think a lot of them kind of thought, okay, this probably is not going to go very well. And if things start to go sideways, you know, we'll make a change. But uh, really, the, the move with Alan Green, when that went down, it was kind of like, all right, yeah, this is uh, the writing is on the wall here. There, there's going to be a new athletic director. And when that new athletic director comes in, it's going to be, all right, you, you make your coaching hire and, uh, and go find the best person for the job. And, you know, I hate to be a, a hater on Harson, but when you look around this conference, guys, and you see Brian Kelly, one of the most winningest coaches of all time, Nick Saban, uh, you know, go, go coach by coach, Jimbo Fisher, just guys who have skins on the wall, you know, which one of these things is not like the other? It, it was Brian Harson. He just didn't fit in. So, um, Look, I'm not saying you got to go get a guy that has Auburn ties or even a guy that has SEC ties, 
but you got to go get a name. Auburn, Auburn's too good of a program and too big of a program to be settling for the Boise State coach. You know, I, I kind of thought that when they hired him in the in the first place. So, um, look, they, they're going to have a lot of a lot of resources, a lot of money to go make uh, to go make a good hire. But I also think this guy's, you know, with the way that that Eli Drinkwitz has, has coached the last two weeks, I mean, really should have beaten Georgia last week. Uh, if he keeps coaching like this, I think we could get through this entire season. Where Auburn is the only open job in the SEC, and, and why does that matter? I mean, it, it means you have, you know, you're not competing with anybody else really for getting a big name coach. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Florida State. It sounds like they're good with Norvell. Uh, obviously, Nebraska's open, and there'll be a few other jobs that open. But I think there's a chance Auburn is is one of, if not the most sexiest job openings out there. If and when the Brian Co- Brian Harson, uh, you know, firing happens, so I, I think that bodes well for Auburn. Is, is what I'm trying to say. Chris, speaking of those other SEC head coaches, what in the world is going on in College Station, Texas, right now? And talk a little bit about uh, Jim the the trials of Jimbo Fisher happening right now. Yeah, well, they are deficient at the all important position of quarterback. I mean, that's that's the realistic uh, answer to their team. I mean, they got a good running back at a chain. They got some pretty good young receivers. They lost to Nye Smith for the season, but you got Evan Stewart as a freshman who's coming on. Uh, got some other pieces. I think the old line is okay. They're not great. Defense is pretty good. A lot of big five stars in that recruiting class playing along that defensive line. I think linebackers are decent. Secondary is okay. You're just missing a star quarterback, and that falls at the feet of Jimbo. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, we can beat our chest and say, man, we got the number one recruiting class, but, yeah, where's your quarterback? Where's your Bryce Young? Where's your Stetson Bennett? Where's your, you know, whoever who's going to help lead you to an undefeated season or a championship? So, um, yeah, it's it's only going to get worse from here. I've talked with some A&M fans who have said, you know, maybe they should just go ahead and start the big uh, five-star quarterback that got uh, – uh, the, in the recruiting class this past year, Connor Wegman, you know, they were thinking we're going to redshirt him. We got Haynes King, we got Max Johnson. Well, now, you know, Haynes King has looked terrible, and Max Johnson apparently has a broken hand and he's going to miss several weeks, if not the rest of the season. So I almost wonder if you're Jimbo, just throw Wegman out there and let him go through his growing pains. Because here's the thing, guys, if he, if he gets through these growing pains, throws his picks, you know, works through his problems here, he might be your guy next year and for the foreseeable future. That might be your your, your quarterback that you need for a moving forward. So I think ultimately what's going to happen, guys, and, and, and there's going to be more losses on the season for A&M, they're still recruiting at a high level. I mean, just, week, just a week ago, there was a big four-star, five-star kid, a D lineman that everybody was expecting him to announce for Oklahoma. He sits up there and puts on an A&M hat. I'm like, how in the world is A&M still getting these recruits? And I think we know why NIL is a big part of this, but in other words, they're not slowing down. They're bringing in four-star, five-star recruits still. So I think Jimbo's got to, at the end of the season, is going to have to relieve himself of of play calling duties. He's going to have to go out there and go get one of the big name offensive coordinators out there. You know, kind of like Nick Saban did years ago when he was setting in his ways. Uh, you know, he resigned his fact to the to himself to the fact that the spread offenses were taken over and went and got uh, Lane Kiffin. So I think Jimbo Fisher is going to have to do the same thing. And if you believe what. You know, Paul Feinbaum was saying the other day that the A&M fan base would not be, you know, they would not hesitate if they had to pay that $95 million buyout. I just think that's absolutely ludicrous. But, you know, it's crazier things have happened. When somebody has a lot of money and they, have, and they don't mind setting that money on fire, it, they're very dangerous because they're, they're not afraid of anything. So that'll be something worth watching. But I think at the end of the day, Jimbo stays there. I think he's going to have to make some big, big changes to how he runs things, particularly 
given up the play calling duties. Chris, I want to bring it back to the you know, upcoming matchup this weekend, Auburn versus Georgia, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. I want to look over on the other side of things because we're very familiar with the Auburn situation in this area. So looking at the Georgia situation, why did they come out? Why did it did they come out on fire against that Oregon team and against South Carolina? And then this past couple weeks, they've really fallen off against Kent State and uh, against Missouri. Yeah, I don't know if they were maybe reading their press clippings and – you know, I think uh, Peter Burns came out and, and made a comment and said they were the, the most talented team and the uh, you know might be the, the most talented team in the history of college football and you know they were getting a lot of pats on the back. I mean, I even had sets of Bennett among my Heisman favorites. I was like the way this kid's playing. And then you know what we saw these last two weeks is having to having to overcome adversity. They've had a lot of injuries. Um, you know, the offense kind of bogged down. The run game has not been consistent. You know, think of this, guys. Like, a Kirby Smart offense is built around a run game, and as a team, they're running well. But I think they're leading, you know, they're, they're leading rusher. I want to say maybe it's Kendall Bilton at 13th in the SEC. Like, when's the last time that happened? That Georgia didn't have a top 10 rusher in the SEC at this point in the season. Stetson Bennett has not thrown for a ton of touchdowns on the year. I think he's only got like five touchdown passes. I want to say that's even behind, like, Jaden Daniels and a few other, uh, you know, middle of the pack SEC quarterbacks. So, um, the offense is bogged down, and defense, you know, the, it sounds like Jalen Carter's going to miss a couple weeks. He was supposed to be that big piece to step in on the D-line and end up being a top-ten draft pick. Uh, Small Munden has been banged up. There's been just so many pieces of this defense where they just have guys in and out of the lineup. Um, that said, you're undefeated. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not all bad. Uh, just keep winning. But, yeah, if I had to talk myself into, hey, give me reasons why maybe Auburn can keep this thing close or closer than the experts expect, you know, those are, those are just some of the things I would look at. And, you know, particularly, you know, with, with, with Auburn, uh, I would say, you know, Tank Bigsby had a little rushing success on them last year. Maybe he can find the end zone again this year. And, uh, you know, maybe Robbie Ashford keeps that defense off balance with his running ability. But, uh, those are the little things I would look at to see maybe Auburn has a, a glimpse of a, of a chance of keeping this one close. Taking a look at a team that's a little bit north of Athens now. Tennessee coming off a bye week. They're about to enter a very, very crucial stretch. They've got at LSU this weekend. Then you're going out, and then you got an Alabama team coming up. And then in a couple weeks, you get that test against Georgia and Athens. What, what are your thoughts on Tennessee season so far? And what, what is their best chance to, to get one of these upsets here? Yeah, I always look at these, these, these East versus West matchups. They're always fun, but they don't mean a heck of a lot. And by that I mean Tennessee can lose this game and still play for the, the SEC championship. You know, I mean, like if you – as long as you're – if you're in the East and you beat all the East teams, you're good. If you're in the West and you beat all the West teams, you're good. The crossover matchups, as fun as they are, um, you know, LSU's had years where they lost to Florida but still played for a championship. Um, you know, it, it, these things kind of happen. So – I don't want to downplay the game. It is a big game, and it's going to be a fun, fun game to see Tennessee versus LSU. In fact, if we're just going by point spreads, guys, it's the SEC game of the week. It's the closest point spread of any SEC game being played this weekend. Uh, I think the Vols are still around a three-point road favorite. Uh, LSU has announced it's a sellout. Despite it being an 11 a.m. game, I know they'd love to have a night game at Death Valley, but it's a sellout. Uh, That fan base will be up at 5 a.m. making their Bloody Marys and mimosas, and they'll be hammered at 10 come come noon anyway so uh i expect it to be a hostile rocket environment it's strength on strength and it's weakness on weakness lsu strength the past few weeks has been their defense they shut out auburn in the second half one week ago they held uh 
you know, they held uh, Mississippi State and Will Rogers to 214 yards passing. Matt House has done a really good job with this LSU defense. Uh, Hendon Hooker has not seen a defense like this just yet this season. So that'll be a good on good and then bad on bad. LSU's offense has not been good. You know, they've struggled to get going. They scored three half, three first half points against Florida State. They scored seven first half points against Mississippi State. And as you guys know, a week ago, they only had seven first half points before they put together that two minute drive to make, you know, to put up 14 at halftime. But LSU's offense has been really slow out of the gate. Uh, Tennessee's biggest weakness is their defense. So, you know, I saw on Monday Jaden Daniels at LSU called a players-only meeting with the receivers. And normally, guys, when you hear players-only meeting, it's because your team stinks and you're going <laughs> nowhere. And, you you know, it really happens with a team that's 4-1 four four and, and coming off a big win on the road at Auburn. So uh, I think that's a good thing. I think Jaden Daniels and Brian Kelly are looking at saying, look, 80 yards passing is unacceptable. You know, this is a kid who threw for 300 yards in a ton of games at Arizona State. Outdueled Justin Herbert a couple years ago when he was a freshman at, at Arizona State. So, I think uh, I think they're looking at this saying, "Look, Tennessee's weakness is that secondary in this defense. We need to get the passing game going this week with Kayshawn Booty and and all the other pieces, Malik Neighbors, all these weapons they have. And if they can do that and they find themselves in a shootout with Tennessee, well, I think the balls might be in trouble. Uh, big number to watch in this game, guys." The two quarterbacks who have not thrown a turnover yet or, or an interception this year, Jaden Daniels and Hendon Hooker, I think that changes this weekend. I think one of those guys turns the ball over through the air, and I think the one who doesn't make the mistakes wins this game. And right now I think it's still Tennessee close, but uh, let's see what LSU's offense looks like. If they can get the, the passing game going more consistently this week, would not shock me if LSU pulls off the upset. It's Chris Gordy joining us here. He's the host of Locked On SEC. So uh, let's circle back to Auburn before we let you get out of here, Chris. And we spoke after the first game of the year for Auburn, so now we've got four more games worth of evidence. Talked about the quarterback position all season long, and now it's Robbie Ashford who's running the show for this Auburn football team. What have your been thoughts of uh, Auburn's number nine out there on the football field? Well, I, I don't want I don't want Auburn fans to be lulled into some kind of comfort. I've heard a couple people make the comment, well, look, we lost the game, but at least we know we have our quarterback now. It's Ashford. Um, <laughs> Robbie, and, and look, I don't want to take it away from Robbie. He's, he's done some good things. But also, I went back and listened to Brian Kelly's coaching show last Thursday, and all I heard him talk about was Robbie Ashford's running ability. Man, this kid's going to run. we gotta, we got to stop the run. That's our M.O. And what happened was in that first half, and you guys saw it, LSU safeties got frozen. Their eyes were on Robbie Ashford. They were so worried about the run. They were coming up, and that's how Auburn's receivers and tight ends got past in the secondary. It was a lot of blown coverages because of that. And in the second half, they adjusted, and they did a good job of, of slowing down Ashford. He couldn't really get much going uh, with his running game. But I don't think George is going to make those same mistakes this week. So, uh, it, you know, look, it was a great passing day for Robbie Ashford, but I would not be banking on him throwing for 300-plus yards this week. I think Georgia's secondary is, is much better than LSU's, and they'll make those adjustments. But that said, you do have a foundation and a, and a true dual-threat quarterback, a kid that has, you know, uh, the threat to run and the threat to throw. I just keep going back to guys. Tank Bigsby's got to have I, – I, like, I, I know it's crazy to say, but, like, if I ask you before the season, I ask you right now, who's Auburn's best offensive weapon? I think we'd all mostly agree it's Tank Bigsby. The kid needs 20 touches a game. I don't care how he gets it. Uh, I would almost argue 20 carries a game. 12 carries for Tank Bigsby. And I know Jarquez Hunter's got his um, you know, abilities and all that. But I need Tank Bigsby to get 20 touches, if not 20 carries a game. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if, it's, you know, if he's only averaging three yards a carry. 
keep giving that kid the ball. He is your best offensive weapon. I, I don't want it to be years from now. Tank Bigsby is leading the NFL in rushing. And we're looking back and going, man, did they underutilize this kid at Auburn? Like, I don't want that. Give this kid the opportunity. Give him the ball. Um, you know, don't be predictable now. Don't just give it to him up the gut. Man, why is he getting stuffed? Get him out in space. Do some zone read. Whatever you got to do. But I just think Tech Bigsby's too damn talented to only be getting 12 carries in a game. Couldn't agree more with that. Again, Chris Gordy's here with us on the program. I got to know as we uh, as we wind this conversation down, is there a chance you think we could be heading for a rematch between uh, the Braves and Astros now that the postseason is upon us, Chris? It, it sets up that well. I mean, look, uh, the winning over the Mets was was the biggest thing. I can't under understate it. Uh, you know what they were able to do down the backstretch of the season. So. Yeah, it, it sets up very well for that. Obviously, the Dodgers are the one that you're going to have to get past again, and, and they're absolutely loaded. And you know, for the Astros, they got to beat the Yankees, who they already beat during the regular season, and have pretty much owned in the postseason the last five years. So, yeah, I would say there's a pretty good chance, guys. If you guys can, if the Braves can get past the Dodgers, um, I think very well there's a very good chance we could end up seeing Braves Astros again in a rematch. But what's different this time, guys? Astros have Justin Verlander, who's probably about to win the Cy Young. And they got Lance McCullers, who got hurt in the ALCS last year. So having those two guys around may be a little bit different this time around in the World Series. Yeah, no kidding about that. Chris, thanks so much for the time. As always, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Anytime, guys. All right, that's Chris Gordy joining us here on the program. Let's go ahead and we'll take our next commercial break here on Sports Call Today. We're back with more. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. All right, winding down today's edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. J.J. Jackson with Brooks Childress and Brayton Daughtry. Brooks, always a pleasure to catch up with Chris Gordy. Yeah, he's a uh, he's host locked on SEC for a reason. He knows a lot about the it's Southeastern insane, Conference. Man. It's insane how much he knows. It knows a lot about the Southeastern Conference. And no matter what school you ask him about, he's going to – I'm sure if we asked him a Texas or Oklahoma question, he He'd would be, be able to knock to it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I almost said Jackson Dart. That's the quarterback at Ole Miss. He is Quinn the quarterback Ewers, at Ole Miss. Uh, the quarterback for Texas. Yes. Slated to be back this week. First ever. Well, no. For the Longhorns. Not, not the first ever. Uh, what, what was I going to say? There are, out of all the big 12 matchups this weekend, there is only one game that is unranked versus unranked, and it's Texas-Oklahoma. Wow. You tell me that at the beginning of the year, that the only big 12 matchup this weekend that is features no ranked teams in it is Texas and Oklahoma. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Oh, all right. Before we get out of here today, let's give you a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by your local TK's convenience store. Pick up a variety pack of awesome flavors there of White Claw. Brooks Childress, Yo. what's on TV? All right, your movie picks for the evening at 612, right on the dot. 612 on Stars tonight. It's Night at the Museum, Battle for the Smithsonian, the second movie 
in the uh, the Night Museum. I guess it's a trilogy. I think they only did three. Um, but yeah. 612 on 612, stars. 612, right on the dot on stars. A few minutes after that at 630 on FX, your Marvel pick of the evening, Captain America the First Avenger. Chris Evans stars as Captain America. Phenomenal movie. Always a big fan. And if it's on and I flip to it and I'm just flipping through channels, I'm going to probably stick there. You'll get stuck I'm, there? I'm going to get stuck there. Um, sports picks for you this evening around the sports world at 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. Auburn soccer in action tonight up in the Bluegrass State to take on the Kentucky Wildcats tonight. Karen Hoppe and the ladies looking to get back in the win column. Heartbreaking draw this past weekend against yeah. Vanderbilt. They'll try to get back in that win column this weekend against Have the Kentucky Wildcats. Have not won an SEC game yet, so hopefully that changes tonight. Also at 6.30 on ESPN, some preseason, w- or preseason NBA action as the Miami Heat take on the Brooklyn Nets. Good matchup there. And then, of course, at 9 o'clock, following that up on ESPN, the Timberwolves and the Lakers going at it from Vegas. LeBron James said last night he'd want to own the Vegas team. If they, Vegas, uh, baby! They expand to Las Vegas, so how about that? Would you be Would you be down... Would you root for a Las Vegas team with LeBron owned it? Yeah. You would? It wouldn't take over as my favorite team. Sure. Um, I would definitely want LeBron to do awesome things with that team, but... I still have uh, the Charlotte Hornets fandom that'll pick back up. Of course. Uh, 7 o'clock on ESPN tonight. Some high school football from the state of Louisiana. Zachary versus Woodlawn. Isn't Woodlawn where Arch Manning plays? Yes. It is? No. No. Maybe. Yes as well. There's a movie based off of it, I know, called Woodlawn. I think it's where Carl Lawson went, actually. We'll do some crack research very quickly. Also tonight at 8 o'clock on Golf Channel, the LPGA Tour. Uh, kicks off their weekend with the Metaheel Championship tonight at 8. Arch Manning plays at Isidore Newman. So, ah, so yeah. Zachary versus Woodlawn. I'm sure there's some big-time recruits there if they're airing it on ESPNU tonight. So make sure you go and check that out um, on the sports pages. And so that's a look at your TV guide. A little bare tonight. No college football tonight. But uh, back and heavy with college football tomorrow night. Yeah, it'll be back tomorrow. And then all day Saturday. That's right. Indeed. All right, Brant, thanks for being here, buddy. Thank you for having me. Brooks, great to see you as always. Yes, sir. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you again to Brad Law and Chris Gordy for being on Sports Call. For Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.